Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. How wonderful it is to see you return yet again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and you've caught me a bit unawares. I was just putting the finishing touches on a little maintenance with our clerk, Mordecai. Yes, he seems very lifelike, with a love of model cars and miniatures, and a very strong work ethic. But helpers like Mordecai are the thing of a new wave of horror hitting the big screen, the small screen, and the written page. For it is the fear of AI that has everyone's head spinning these days, and makes for interesting fare when it comes to entertainment. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new video-on-demand film... Tim. So when the new year began, I always start my new year off by going and scouring the internet, trying to find all the new horror, fantasy, and science fiction films that are coming out in the coming year. And, and granted, uh, I comprise a list. And I comprise, you know, when all the release dates are, put them in my planner. So I kind of have an idea when we're going to see some of these new films and when I can talk about them on the show. Granted, that's not the definitive list for the year because always new films pop up as the year go on. But one of those films that I saw was TIM. T-I-M. Of course, in the movie, it's an acronym for Technologically Integrated Manservant. And that's about all I knew about this movie because I, I just comprised this list here, you know, a, a couple, few weeks ago now. And now all of a sudden, some of these movies are starting to pop up, not necessarily in the places I thought they were, in the release dates I thought they would. But hey, you know, that's the nature of this business as anybody who stays on track with all the movies that are being released, all the television shows that are being released for podcaster or whatever purpose. But uh, this movie came up and I was like, oh, sh that's one of those movies I wanted to watch. And I was doing a little research before I watched. I was like, well, did this movie just come out or am I I'm missing something? Because I thought it was coming out later in the year. But I uh, in doing some research, everything I saw said that this movie came out in August of last year. And then I found out uh, they actually released this movie to Netflix in Great Britain because this is a, a British film. And they released it on Netflix in Great Britain back in August, but we're just getting it here in the U.S. I believe it was released to a limited run in the theaters, and I don't know if they released it to streaming at that same time, video on demand streaming, or if that just released, but here within the past couple weeks, it was released to, uh, like I said, a limited run in theaters here in the U.S. and for video on demand purposes here in the U.S., so I thought, oh, this would be a great thing to talk about because I watched the trailer, and it seemed interesting enough. It looked definitely like a sci-fi movie. It, it very much delves into science fiction, but it also looked like it could have had an element of horror to it. I think we got both of those in this movie. While we're talking about this and trying to be 
fairly spoiler-free before we get into some spoiler territory. Uh, this movie definitely delved into the sci-fi aspect of, of AI and robotics and having this robot manservant. And if you've watched the trailer, you know it's not a big spoiler, but uh, something goes wrong with this robot manservant and the rest of the movie ensues. The whole point of this movie ensues, this AI robot starts to have feelings for one of its uh one of its owners and this movie is going to draw of course a lot of comparisons to megan uh, you can't have a robot movie that goes crazy and not have it compared to megan of course uh, the main difference is that megan was a robot to made to look like a child this is a robot made to look like an adult and, but it's more than that. I mean, you could sit there and say, and I, I'm sure a lot of people will say, well, this is just Megan, but with an adult robot as opposed to a child robot. And and yeah, I suppose on the surface, that is a... I mean, yeah, if you're looking at it just plainly by the optics, yeah, that's probably what it looks like. But that's not this movie. Uh, this movie is a little bit different. And... Granted, it's nothing we haven't seen before in some form or fashion in various movies. Like I said, there are a lot of direct comparisons to Megan. Uh, this also reminded me of that American Horror Stories episode in this past season called Daphne, where you had the, the guy gets the AI, almost Alexa-type device, and the AI, artificial intelligence, in this device falls in love with its owner and starts doing things, uh, manipulating this person, killing people for this person uh, because they, they loved this person who, of course, was not necessarily in love with a disembodied voice of AI. It, it was a very interesting episode. If you want to hear my thoughts on that, go check out my uh, episode on the last uh, season of American Horror Stories. I believe that came out in October. It was a part of a, a whole Halloween thing that they did. But this movie very much draws on those types of story notes. I, I don't think one was influenced by the other or anything like that. It's just, like I said, it's, a, it's an interesting topic for an interesting time where we are digging into more uh, AI. AI has become very prevalent in our society, and that's just happened within the past year or so. With the advent of things like ChatGTP, using AI to create art, you have AI companions, and those sorts of things just really popping up within the past year or two and it's not going away it really is cause for concern to some people about what this ai could do to us as a society and granted robotics hasn't caught up with the ai to the point where something like this could happen but uh, something like this is not, I don't think, a thing that is too terribly far away. Having robots with artificial intelligence uh, made to look like people. I mean, that is fodder for so many different movies over the decades. The Alien franchise delved into that. Blade Runner delved into that. Westworld, the Yul Brenner movie, and the TV series delved into that. We're starting to see that science fiction close to becoming science reality. And that, and that really, 
plays on a lot of fears. Terminator, another one where you had uh, robotics uh, being made to look like people with artificial intelligence. Again, a very real fear for some people. I mean, some people are very much, oh, uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. But, you know, I don't think it's either or. I think there's always, as everything, whether it's uh, politics or any other social thing, uh, the, the answer is somewhere in the middle. It's not something we shouldn't completely be afraid of, but it's not something we should be so di dismissive of the fears behind these things. And this movie really delves into that. The fears of what could go wrong with artificial intelligence and Android technology, robotic technology that is driven by this artificial intelligence. I thought it was really interesting. I thought the movie had an interesting story. Again, they're nothing new under the sun. It's not breaking new ground story-wise, but it was an interesting enough story. And I say this a lot. And I think really good acting helps mediocre movies or not terribly original ideas. I don't think this is a mediocre movie, but I don't think it's a terribly original idea. But you have a great cast that really elevates a not-so-original idea to be a good movie. And this movie had some really good actors. Georgina Campbell, uh, of course, you probably... Most recognize her from something like uh, Barbarian. I think that's probably the biggest movie I've seen her in as far as movies go. I know she's going to be in that uh, movie, The Watchers, coming out uh, sometime this year. I know it's in post-production. Uh, she's also done an episode of Black Mirror. Uh, she was a main role character in Krypton. Fine actress. I really liked her in this main role of Abby. She works in robotic prosthetics and is helping uh, fine-tune this Tim android that the company she works for is trying to mass-produce and and get it out there, the, the whole thing, just to beat China. And uh, she does a really good job with this, uh, this character. She's a sympathetic character. Uh, she's an intelligent character. Her and her husband, Paul, they've had a history where he has apparently cheated on her in the past, but they've come to a reconciliation, but she's still not completely trusting of him. And and that really made an interesting dynamic for this couple. Uh, of course, Paul, played by Mark Rowley, you probably know him if you've watched The Last Kingdom or uh, the movie that came out this last year, uh, The Last Kingdoms, The Seven Kings Must Die. Uh, he was a part of that. He was in the Witcher Blood Origin in 2022. I've always loved him as the Finnan character in the, the Last Kingdom. Uh, so I was glad to see him show up in this. And they have a really good relationship in this, uh, an enjoyable relationship that you can relate to uh, as any couple that's gone through troubles. Maybe it's not necessarily cheating, but there's some distrust there and they love each other, but there's this kind of roadblock in the way that, that has driven a bit of a wedge between them that they're trying to get past. But as we see in this movie, things happen to drive that wedge even further as opposed to bringing them closer. And and I really enjoyed these two's performance as this couple. They were a believable couple. They were a very likable couple. And it was a situation where you could understand the the things that happened that might cause that wedge to be driven further. And it's kind of a there but for the grace of God go I sort of situation. It's like you're watching it and you're thinking, oh, don't 
Don't believe that because you're afraid of, of something like that happening in your life where there's a misunderstanding and, and things just escalate to, to drive a wedge between you and someone you love. So it was very interesting and, like I said, very relatable. And both of these characters and the actors that portrayed them, very likable in their relationship. To me, it was a believable relationship. The other primary actor in this is Amon Farron, who plays the Tim character, the technologically integrated manservant. And of course, you probably know him. Speaking of The Witcher, he was he's in The Witcher, uh, plays the Kahir character. He was also in the Twin Peaks uh, reboot or requel. Uh, done several other things and uh, again an enjoyable actor to watch and I thought he played this Tim character quite well because he just had like a robotic feel to him without being like over the top robotic there was a stiltedness in his manner that was very fluid in a way and and it, you, he felt like an android he felt like a robot but like i said not the stereotypical robot movement i am your robot man servant no, nothing's like from the 60s or 50s or even further back like that uh, but but it did feel very robotic in his mannerisms and his and his movement and he did have a an innocence about him as a like a new entity i mean he He's a robot with a robot mind who is new to this world. And, and there was a bit of an innocence about his performance that almost made this character very childlike, which played into the infatuation that he developed over Abby and played into the emotional immaturity of an artificial intelligence that is gone sentient i i don't know they, they never really delved into that as much and we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on in the spoiler section but there was an innocence about this character that made the turn of emotion towards abby very believable in that like you know how you know some kids will be Become infatuated with somebody just on the drop of a dime. They become infatuated, they feel it's love, and they feel it's going to be the end of the world if that love is not reciprocated, and they do drastic things because of that emotion. This character felt very much like an emotionally immature being that lacked the emotional maturity to handle what it's feeling. And and I think, you know, that all plays into that fear of AI. And and he did a really good job. Amon Farron did a really good job with this character. And again, one of the things that made this movie so enjoyable without it having a terribly unique idea, it's the fact that they had quality actors. And I thought it was well-written. Uh, I know I've seen some reviews and some people commenting that they didn't particularly care for the the script or the dialogue, but I thought the dialogue was fine. Uh, you know, the the Tim dialogue is going to be very awkward because he is a robot. Uh, their interacting with him is going to seem awkward because of the uncertainty of it all. You know, being a human, interacting with this robot that you've never interacted with before. You don't know how to interact with, with a, a robotic artificial intelligence. It, it makes sense if any dialogue seemed a little awkward. But for the most part, I don't think it did. I thought the dialogue between 
Paul and Abby was good. It felt very real as a couple. Uh, the dialogue between Abby and her boss felt very real, a demanding boss that just won't take no for an answer and thinks they know better than you. Uh, it felt very real to me. And I have to say the director and writer uh, Spencer Brown, I thought, did a really good job with this. He helped write the screenplay with Sarah Govett, his wife, and I, I think they did a really good job with this. And, of course, Spencer Brown being known for his comedy. I mean, he's a comedian. He's also an actor and director, but very much known for his comedy. And I liked how this film, it did have some funny, light moments, but it wasn't like a, a horror comedy or a sci-fi comedy. It really didn't lean on any comedy at all in this. And I, I think that was important because this movie, well, it doesn't lean into horror so much, even though our, there are some horror-leaning bits of this movie. This is more of a science fiction movie. Uh, science fiction slightly leaning into horror. And I thought he did a really good job with creating a movie that captured that sci-fi, quasi-horror vibe to it and didn't didn't turn into a comedy, which which I appreciate that because I'm not a big fan of horror comedies where everything leans on the comedy and the horror or the science fiction or what have you is kind of an afterthought. So all in all, I really like this movie. Is it a perfect movie? No. Is it a great movie? No. But I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a good movie and I quite enjoyed it. I liked the uh, the sci-fi aspect of it was interesting. The the themes of AI and the possible dangers behind it were interesting. There were some thrilling moments. I, I mean, it, like I said, it's nothing new under the sun, and you see some of the things coming, but they did it well enough that I enjoyed it through the whole movie. And I can't remember how long the movie was, probably an hour and a half, somewhere around there. And it never really felt like it overstayed its welcome. So I was quite pleased with that. So all in all, I really enjoyed Tim. And if you haven't watched it, go check it out. We're going to get into some spoilers, but uh, go watch it first, then come see my thoughts on some of these uh, particulars. Uh, we're not going to get into too much detail, but we are going to get into some spoiler territory. So go check out Tim. You can do that video on demand wherever you watch your video on demand movies and come back and hear my thoughts on this and uh, see if you agree with uh, my thoughts on Tim. But uh, until then, uh, if you have watched the movie, you don't care one way or the other, we are going to get into some spoiler territory right now. So because of this movie and our non-spoiler section, I really am able to talk about a lot of the things I liked about this movie without getting into too much spoiler. Uh, because I, I think so much of this movie uh, relies on, like I said, that innate fear in us in this day and age, that fear of AI and artificial intelligence and what it could mean. I think that's because for so many years, we've had a healthy distrust of the machines put into us, thanks to things like The Terminator, thanks to movie franchises like Alien, uh, thanks to movies like Blade Runner, and all those movies where the machines, the artificial intelligence, the cyborgs were the bad guy, or they were the ones that turned crazy and had turned on humanity. I think just because of that, this movie really sets a good tone. And, and that's probably one of the things I enjoyed most about this movie was the tone of the movie. The relationship between Abby and Paul and Tim was very awkward. It was 
wasn't like Megan, where Megan was kind of accepted in and a part of the family and very helpful to this little girl to begin with before she kind of went off the rails. Tim felt very much like an outsider from the very beginning. Paul doesn't like him. Abby is having this manservant forced upon her by her boss. There's a tone of uncomfortability that goes throughout the whole time Tim comes into the picture. And Tim acts creepy and weird, as an android probably would to anybody who is first introduced to this technology. It would not be a very comfortable thing, like having a little girl doll being a companion to a child. That, to me, seems like it would be, you know, kids are more accepting until they're taught not to accept. And I think a a child would be more apt to be able to bring something like that in, this AI technology. But but adults, we're all very distrusting because we know how shitty adults can be and and humanity can be. So, yeah, you're not going to be trusting of this cyborg robot AI being in front of you. And they really did a good job with that, making Paul distrusting of it. Tim being very naive, not naive, but just very childlike and innocent in his delivery. And you know that there's some sort of, you know, it just doesn't seem natural for for grownups to be that and to have this this cyborg, this android looking like an adult, but being very simple and innocent like a child, it is very off-putting. And it all really works in making Tim kind of weird and creepy from the beginning. But then he starts to witness things, movies, and he witnesses Paul and Abby banging one out because they're trying to they're trying to conceive and have a child. And Tim starts to question what love is and beauty. And I think the one thing I wish they could have done better is what made Tim turn? What made him decide to uh, explore what love is, explore beauty, explore attraction and physical contact? What made him do that that made all the other Tim robots not do that? Because we see several of them. The owner of this company that Abby works for has several of these Tim androids around his mansion, you know, as servants. And what made this unit delve into these things and flip the switch to being possessive, to being kind of like a stalker, to being manipulative? And what made him turn this way that the other ones didn't? And you really didn't have that defining moment. Now, it would have been cliche to have like something happen to it where it gets electrocuted and it fries part of a circuit that keeps him from doing this. It's not that I wanted to see anything like that because I think we've seen that a hundred times before. I didn't want to see Johnny Five come alive, but I I wish there could have been something, some event other than just Tim seeing Paul and Abby having sex. I wish there could have been some physical representation to indicate what happened, where the where the switch was flipped, for lack of a better term, to turn him from this benign artificial intelligence manservant to what he becomes, like I said, very possessive, very manipulative. He is very much after Abby's affections and feels like he loves her, but knows she'll never be able to love him back. But once that does start happening, it was very interesting to see 
all these events unfold that Tim is trying to drive a wedge between Paul and Abby. He knows about Paul's prior indiscretions where he cheated on Abby, and that's that's a bone of contention. So he keeps driving that wedge between Paul and Abby with their neighbor Rose and insinuating that Paul is off with Rose. And we never get in any inclination or any sense that that, that is actually happening. And, and actually the, the opposite. I don't think that anything is going on. I think Paul is on the up and up that he is not cheating on Abby. He, he learned from his mistake and is trying to make this work. That's why they're trying to have a baby. But there's enough of the, that red herring that you wonder throughout this. And, and I thought that was interesting. I liked how you get the slow idea that... Tim has access to all of their email. He can make purchases on their behalf. He can mimic people's voices when answering phone calls. And you see all this set up for ways in which he is going to try and manipulate the situation between Abby and Paul and incriminate Paul in things that, that he didn't do. They even have that scene at the beginning when Abby goes to the her business or her work for the first time where the owner of the company talks about how they're making great strides in deep faking and and that comes into play later so i thought it was really they did a really good job in setting up all the ways in which tim could manipulate the system and manipulate the situation and do all these things he's doing and then when these things start happening you're like oh shit no paul didn't do that that is tim making this purchase and making Abby think that it was Paul. It's, you know, Tim doing this and making Abby think that it's Paul. And Tim doing this and changing something uh, to incriminate Paul. And it was really interesting. And it's one of those things where, like, I, you see it coming a mile away, but you know that the person that should be seeing it coming a mile away, your, your main character, doesn't. And it, you spend so much time, not necessarily physically yelling at the screen, but uh, but you're thinking to yourself, oh, why can't she see this? Why can't she see this? And that really added a, a good bit of tension to this movie that while it didn't get thriller-esque tension-wise until towards the end of it, uh, you're seeing all these events unfold and you have that tension of why can't she see what I'm seeing? And and I really enjoyed that aspect of this movie. I think one of the other ways this differentiates between something like Megan, where Megan goes off the rails at a certain point in the movie and becomes murderous right away. And while you don't get a huge body count in Megan, you do get a body count. Where in this movie, uh, you have such a small cast, so you know there's not going to be a big body count. So you're not really sure exactly what route this is going to go. Is it going to be something where uh, the good guys win and they defeat the evil robot and everyone lives happy, happily ever after Kumbaya? Or are we going to see some of these other B characters? And there's really, like I said, there's... Paul, there's Abby, there's Rose, there's the boss, there's Abby's assistant, Chris. Uh, you got about five main characters, and are, are we going to see some of these B characters that I don't really care about being killed off? And I was quite shocked. I will say I was a little surprised because I thought, okay, I think this is a PG-13 film. I, I'm not sure uh, if I've got that rating right, but it, it's certainly not gory. And I don't think there was a ton of swearing in it. So yeah, it was probably PG-13. Uh, so I thought, okay, they're going to go with the 
ending where Paul and Abby live happily ever after. But that situation where Paul comes back from the hospital after Tim tries to kill him by wrecking this automatically driven car and Tim drowns him in the bathtub. I was like, oh shit, I was not exactly expecting that. I I thought that was always a possibility that Tim was going to kill Paul. I thought there was a possibility that he was going to kill Rose and I don't think they ever really say definitively at the end if Rose actually died from the wounds that she got or not, but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, I was a bit surprised when Tim drowned Paul in the bathtub and then buried him back in the flower bed and that scene where this is one thing that I, I found a little ridiculous. Tim buries Paul back in the in the flower bed in the little garden they're creating, but he leaves a bit of Tim's like the cuff of his shirt or the collar of his shirt sticking up out of the ground. And I would think that an artificial intelligence robot who is programmed to serve mankind, to be essentially a manservant, to clean things up, to do this, that, do odd jobs, would be a little more meticulous and attention to detail oriented that he would have tucked that little bit of shirt back down into the soil. But he did not. But that scene where Abby finds it and she digs him up. And they didn't really focus on Paul being buried. But you got that shot that was a little bit chilling. And her discovery of Paul being buried in the flower garden was was a bit chilling. And that's where business really picked up as we're kind of... uh, It's a slow burn up until this point. But it does slow burn to a bit of a crescendo, which I appreciate that. I'm I'm fine with slow burn movies, but sometimes slow burn movies, they slow burn and then just fizzle out and you don't really get that explosion. And that's not to say every movie like that is bad. Uh, there have been some that have still ended well enough that I'm okay. It didn't reach this boiling point and explosion but it was still okay. But for the most part, I don't like films like that because, yeah, you're you're slow burning to, like I said, that explosion, that big climax. And while this climax wasn't huge or over the top, it was still good and it still got quite action-y, quite thrillery. The kind of cat and mouse between Tim and Abby, Rose's involvement at the end, where I love where she she slams that car into the window and nothing happens. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> but then you remember earlier that they were talking about the shatterproof glass or or what have you when when Paul and Abby are moving into this home, and then all of a sudden the the crack and it does shatter. What I did find a little ridiculous though is that Rose is driving this car. She's trying to save Abby and she crashes into the window. The window comes down and then all of a sudden she gets out of the car, rams a pole into Tim and skewers him to the wall and then she just collapses. To me, if you had that energy to do that, you wouldn't have been on the verge of collapse. That all seems silly, but it was all to set up Tim using her, the threat of killing Rose, to manipulate Abby, and then he stabs her a couple times. And there again, like I said earlier, uh, it's not really clear whether Abby dies or she survives the the wounds, but it is all uh, another big manipulation by Tim that I thought was very interesting, that he knows that Abby will never feel the same way for him as he does for her, especially after he killed Paul and quite possibly killed Rose. And he calls up the police using her voice 
voice. And I thought that was interesting that he made it all, he manipulated all this, which showed the superior intelligence, how he's, he's manipulated all these things and, and, and manipulating this end to make it seem like Abby killed her husband and his potential lover and is killing herself. And that was a real interesting ending that I can't say I didn't see coming, but I figured it was going to be more Terminator-esque because that's what that's what directors do these days. They just rehash, you know, the big blockbusters that have made money and come before. But but they did things a little bit different. It wasn't unexpected, but I figured they would have gone for more of the Hollywood blockbustery ending. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad this this ending, this climax, the way Tim was going to get away with this was all a little more cerebral than you would get in a big Hollywood film. And I like the ending because there is a verbal code to shutting Tim down. And they come up with this code and she tries to use it. And he's reset this code. And I love the fact that he says to her that you'll never guess it because it's something you would never say. And as soon as he said that, I knew exactly what the code was. Because they set that up earlier where Tim says, I love you, Abby. And he says, I know you'll never be able to say that back to me. I knew right away. I was like, oh, the code is I love you, Tim. And even though it was so obvious... If you were paying attention, it was very satisfying when she, you know, she gets that moment of realization that maybe was a little over the top uh, from an acting standpoint. But I, I get why she was probably directed that because you had to have that aha moment where she says, I love you, Tim. And then he starts to shut himself down. But the, the the funny thing was he has her neck in his hands and he's holding over this balcony, which the drop probably wouldn't kill her. But he shut down and then he starts to tip over and they both fall over the edge. Like I said, the drop shouldn't have killed her. Tim even says so. But they still had her do that kind of Indiana Jonesy action movie thing where... Uh, they fell over, but she grabbed a hold of something at the last second and pulls herself up over the ledge. That seemed a little unnecessary. I would have liked to have seen her fall with Tim in that last shot kind of overhead with her laying there with a broken leg or two and Tim laying beside her, maybe staring at her. Yeah, I know we've seen that probably a thousand times before too, but I think that would have been a little more, not more interesting, but I, I would have liked to seen that ending a little better than what we got because then it just, yeah, she climbs back over the edge and she's sitting there, and then it is roll credits. I think a scene with her and Tim laying on the ground, maybe with his face cracked, her broken legs, and kind of looking at each other, I, I think that would have probably been a little more haunting. But all in all, I didn't hate the ending. Don't get me wrong. I just thought that could have been a little bit better. But for the most part, like I said, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I thought it was an interesting story. I think it plays into fears of our time and I think it was acted very well and written fairly well. Uh, this wasn't a, a movie that has changed in the game. Don't think that it is. Just because it is talking about artificial intelligence and robotics and androids and stuff like that, uh, it's not done anything that other movies like it haven't done. But I thought it was done in an interesting enough way that as a movie... I enjoyed it. And that, to me, really is the barometer that I have to set. Every movie doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. Every movie doesn't have to be an Academy Award-winning movie. 
Uh, as long as I'm entertained and I enjoy what I'm seeing on the screen, then that's a good movie. And I think that's what you got with Tim. You got an interesting story told in an interesting way that did things a little different. Uh, you know, there were some aspects of this movie that I didn't see coming. Uh, there were plenty of things that I did see coming, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I liked the acting. I thought the acting was really good. I thought the story was interesting enough. And, and then the direction was was pretty good. And from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, I don't think, like, cinematography-wise, they did anything too out of the ordinary. But I thought it was all shot very well and edited very well. And for, like I said, an hour and a half, maybe, give or take, uh, movie, it moved pretty well and had some good pace and never really felt the weight of it overstaying its welcome. So that, to me, that made a good and enjoyable film. It's probably not a movie I'll watch again. They do kind of set it up whenever Tim gets all worked up. Uh, the lights start to flicker, and at the very end, uh, you, you have Abby sitting there on the ledge, and it cuts to a picture of her and Paul and a lamp, and that lamp light starts to flicker. Kind of how they ended things in Megan. It's how they ended things in that Daphne episode of American Horror Stories. The AI may or may not have lived on, and we may or may not get a sequel. I won't watch this movie again, more than likely. Unless, like, my wife wanted to watch it, I would sit down and watch it with her. But I would watch a sequel. If they did do that, not every movie has to have a sequel, but I would watch one if we got it. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Tim, technologically integrated manservant. It was a, a pretty good movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, not the best movie, uh, not the best movie thus far in 2024, but uh, a pretty good movie that I enjoyed quite a bit. And I don't know, I mean, you can watch it video on demand. I know it was released to Netflix in the UK back in August. I don't know whether we'll see it on Netflix here in the US anytime in the not too distant future. But uh, if you don't want to watch it video on demand, I definitely check it out once it comes to uh, whatever streaming platform you happen to be subscribed to. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Tim. Check it out. And you can check out more that's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page and Instagram. We're always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as uh, the episodes that we've got coming up uh, this week. It is a video on demand week because uh, there's just not a lot of stuff going on as far as things in the movie theaters horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I know that ISS movie is in the theaters. I, just because it's in space, it doesn't to me, doesn't make a science fiction movie. So I, I'd like to watch that movie, but uh, I don't know if we'll talk about that on the show. But, but there is another video-on-demand movie, Last Night at Terrace Lanes. And am I going to like that one as much as this one? I don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about that on Thursday's episode, and you can stay on top of that on our social media pages, as well as being subscribed to us. So whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, follow, whatever it calls it. That way you can stay on top of all the latest episodes. We do this every Monday and Thursday. We've also got some uh, some bonus episodes and some random curiosities that I throw in there from time to time. You can stay on top of all that, get all the all the updates uh, by subscribing to us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please follow us, uh, like us, subscribe to us, as well as leaving those reviews. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we appreciate that. And share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time, 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!